This is the Hui Kala Baptist Church podcast, coming to you from the heart of Honolulu, Hawaii. Hui Kala is a dynamic family of faith committed to solid Bible teaching, discipleship, and helping you grow in your faith. Grab your Bible and prepare to dig deep into the Word with Pastor Anthony King. Grab your Bibles, turn to the book of Philippians, if you would, this morning. We're continuing our series entitled Magnify Jesus. We're just going verse by verse through the book of Philippians. If you've missed any of the messages so far, you can always get caught up at our website at whoecall.church. Uh, can, can subscribe to our uh, podcast. Uh, I think everybody, if you ha- have a smartphone, should download the Huicala app. Uh, because if you download the Huicala app, here's what you can do. You can click on the button that says podcast and go to today's message. And there's a button that says fill in notes. You can actually type your notes for today's message on your device. When you're done, you can actually email them to yourself. It's awesome. If you haven't done it, you should try it. Uh, or if you're old school and you just want a paper and pencil, bring that uh, as well. Uh, sometime in the future, we'll go back to having handouts and bulletins and things like that. That day is not today. Uh, but um, uh, So you can do that on the Hui Call app. If you want to do that or just bring uh, pencil and paper, take really good notes. Whatever you do, follow along, stay engaged, stay plugged in because we got some truth from the Bible today that's going to blow your mind. And so stay plugged in, stay connected as we go through the book of Philippians. By way of review, just for sake of context, the book of Philippians was written to a church uh, in a city named Philippi, uh, hence the name Philippians. Uh, Paul had started this church at, uh, the Apostle Paul had started the church of Philippi uh, and from scratch, uh, and he left to continue to plant other churches. About 10 years later, he writes a letter back to the church that he once pastored, Uh, because he had a really tight relationship with this church. They had uh, prayed for him and helped him and encouraged him, even sent him money financially to help him uh, to continue to start new churches and tell people about Jesus. And so they really had a tight relationship. And so as Paul writes to the church at Philippi, he shares with them the deep gratitude that he has and appreciation he has for all that they've done. And just this letter is just a letter of really good encouragement. And so as we walk through this verse by verse uh, each week, we'll take a passage of scripture, we'll talk about what that means and how we apply it to our lives today. I'm entitled today's uh, message, Growth in Godly Discernment. And so we'll take a look at that. We're going to read verses 1 through 11 uh, just for the the sake of context, but we're really going to focus this morning on verses 7 through 11. And so uh, pay special attention to those as we read through them. Philippians chapter 1, starting in verse number 1. Paul and Timotheus, the servants of Jesus Christ, to all the saints in Christ Jesus which are at Philippi with the bishops and deacons, Grace be unto you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God upon every remembrance of you, always in prayer, in every prayer of mine, for you all making requests with joy. For your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. Even as it is meet or appropriate for me to think of you all, because I have you in my heart, inasmuch as both in my bonds and in defense and confirmation of the gospel, you're all partakers of my grace. For God is my record, how greatly I long after you in all the bowels of Jesus Christ. In this I pray that your love may abound yet more, and more in knowledge and in all judgment, that you may approve things that are excellent, that you may be sincere and without offense till the day of Christ being filled with the fruits of righteousness, which are by Jesus Christ unto the glory and praise of God. As your pastor, there's really three things that I want for you. 
Uh, and I, I don't want something from you. I want something for you. And I want to help you with that this morning. Here's what I really want for you. As my job as a pastor, I want to help prepare you, first of all, for the day that you meet Jesus Christ face to face. The Bible says it's appointed unto man once to die and after that the judgment. And I wanna make sure that when you die and you stand eyeball to eyeball with God himself, I want you to be ready for that day. And it's my job as a pastor to help prepare you for what happens after this life. Second thing I want you to do is, as a pastor, what I want to give you. I wanna give you the tools and resources that you need to be able to share your faith with other people to take the gospel message, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ for the sins of mankind. I want you to be able to take that message and pass it on to other people so that other people can know how to be saved. Third thing I want you to do as a pastor, I wanna equip you and give you the tools that you need to be a mature, discerning Christian. I want you to know the Bible so well I want you to be so in tune with what God's doing in your life and what God wants you to do that when questions come up about what you should do, you just automatically know. You're a mature, discerning Christian. And today we're taking a look at growth in godly discernment. So really today, I wanna help prepare you for that third one, to be a mature, godly, discerning Christian. Now, the Bible in my estimation, is a very black and white book. It's not, it doesn't leave a lot to, uh, to question, not a lot open to interpretation. It's really pretty black and white. And the parts that are really black and white and really easy to understand don't require a lot of discernment. Uh, for example, if we take a look at the Ten Commandments, uh, even most people who don't know anything about God or don't know anything about the Bible at least have heard of the Ten Commandments. A lot of the Ten Commandments don't require a lot of discernment, let's say. Thou shalt not steal. It doesn't take a lot of discernment to know that it's wrong to take things that belong to you. Most people know that. Even people who wouldn't consider themselves a Christian uh, nation or a Christian people or Christian culture would understand it's not right to take things that don't belong to you. Thou shalt not steal. That doesn't require a lot of discernment, let's say. Thou shalt not kill. Doesn't require a lot of discernment, let's say. Pretty black and white, pretty straightforward, not really that difficult. Should... A Christian marry a non-Christian. Hmm. Maybe not so black and white. Maybe there's not a thou shalt not curse for that. What should we do with that? That might require a little bit of discernment. Should Christians go to bars? Hmm. Not really a thou shalt not verse for that. Might require a little bit of discernment. Hey, marijuana is legal in a lot of states in the United States. Is it okay for Christians to smoke weed? That would require a little bit of discernment. And so instead of running to your pastor every time saying, hey, pastor, is it okay for me to go to this party? Hey, pastor, is it okay for me to do this? Hey, pastor, is it okay for me to get a job here? Hey, pastor, is it okay for me to do that? I want to give you the tools to answer those questions for yourself from the Bible. That requires discernment. And so I want to help you to grow in discernment. Not just today, but I'm gonna give you the tools that you need to grow in discernment for the rest of your life. Unfortunately, many Christians today lack discernment. Uh, they don't really know because a lot of people only know what their pastor tells them. And that's a terrible way to live. And I don't want you to do something because I told you to do it or I don't want you to follow something because I told you to follow it. I want you to do what you're supposed to do because God's word, the Bible tells you so. Now, when it comes to discernment, being able to understand right from wrong or being able to understand spiritual things, all of it starts at one place and one place only. 
the first thing that you need to discern, the first thing that you need to understand, the first thing that you need to get is this. You have broken God's commandments. Not one of them, but if there were 10 commandments, you've broken all 10. But God really has hundreds of commandments and we've broken almost all of them. And because of that, uh, the Bible says we have sinned against God. And so the first thing you need to discern, the first thing you need to understand is that you are not automatically part of God's family. You're automatically God's enemy. That's a hard place to live. The Bible says that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. I've broken God's law more times than I can count. I've broken God's commandments, not just one time when I was in high school when I did some things that I hoped my parents wouldn't find out. I sin against God almost every single day. And when we understand God's word, we'll understand that sin isn't automatically things that we commit or things that we do. It's oftentimes things we omit or fail to do. If I know that I should share my faith with someone, but I don't, I've committed a sin in not sharing my faith with them. If I know that I'm supposed to read God's word today, but I choose not to, I've sinned against God by choosing not to read his word. If I know that there's something I shouldn't do, but I do it anyways, I've broken God's law, and the Bible says, there's none righteous, no, not one. We've all sinned against God. And because of that, we're all in danger of God's judgment. You've sinned against God, I've sinned against God, and there's a price that must be paid. Right now, if you get caught on a beach, hanging out with friends, you get a citation. And that citation that you get is a criminal citation punishable by $5,000 fine or one year in jail. Can you believe that? That's nuts. So if I take my daughter and put her in a stroller and walk her through Alamona Beach Park, I could get cited for that $5,000 up to a year in prison. That's heavy for taking your kid on a walk on the beach, right? But here's the thing. It's the law, those are the consequences. Now, regardless of what you and I think about it, whether it's appropriate, inappropriate, good, bad, or otherwise, doesn't really matter because it's the law, those are the consequences. So, God has his law, do this, don't do that, and he also has consequences. Well, I don't agree with his consequences. It doesn't really matter, it is what it is. The Bible says the wages or the consequences of your sin, the consequences of my sin is this death. We're gonna die one day. And not just a physical death. The Bible speaks in Revelation chapter 20 that there's a second death coming after we die here. And if you die because you're a sinner and you die in your sin, the Bible says after this comes God's judgment on you. And if you get nothing else out of the message today, please just get this part that I'm getting ready to share with you in the next two minutes. It's the most important thing you'll ever hear in your entire life. Because you sin against God, you deserve, I deserve to go to hell. The Bible says that when we stand before God, he's gonna judge us according to our works. And all the good that we've done doesn't matter. All the bad that we've done, we pay for the day that we see God face to face. And the Bible says, if our name is not found written in the book of life, we're cast into the lake of fire, that's a place called hell, for all of eternity. This is the second death, Revelation chapter 20. I deserve to go to hell when I die because I've broken God's law. Now, you might say, I don't really, I've broken God's law, but I don't know that I deserve hell. Again, the consequences are already set. Whether you agree with them or disagree with them, it doesn't really matter. This is what it is. But the good news is God is loving, God is merciful. God doesn't want anybody to go to hell. The Bible says God's not willing that any should perish, 
but that all should come to repentance. God doesn't want you to go to hell. God doesn't want me to go to hell. So God had to make a way for us to be saved from that punishment. And his name was Jesus. And the Bible says that God demonstrates his love to us, that he sent Jesus to die in our place. God commendeth his love toward us, Romans 5, 8, that Jesus Christ died for sinners. And that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So here's the thing. Because of my sin, because of your sin, we were supposed to die, but Jesus died instead. Because of my sin against God, I was supposed to be punished, but Jesus was punished instead. Because I sinned against God, I'm supposed to get God's wrath and judgment on my life for all of eternity. But Jesus came and took God's wrath and judgment on him. So I don't have to die. So I don't have to go to hell. So I don't have to pay for my sin because it's already been paid in full. But here's the important part. Really, really, really important part. You have to make a decision for yourself. I can't make it for you. Yes, Jesus paid for your sins, but you need to accept that payment. Just like if you were at a restaurant and the bill comes and I stop by your table and say, hey, I'd like to take care of that for you. You gotta make a choice. I'm gonna allow Anthony to pay for my meal or I'm gonna pay for it on my own. And friend, today you need to make a decision. I'm gonna pay for my own sin or I'm gonna let Jesus pay for it for me. And the Bible says if you would believe in your heart that Jesus Christ is Lord, you would believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, and you would agree with God that you have broken his law and that you cannot save yourself, and you would ask God to forgive you, the Bible says he would. God, I believe that I've broken your law. God, I know that I deserve to go to hell, but I'm asking you to save me and forgive me from my sins. The Bible says, just like that, done. The Bible calls that process being saved. I'm saved from hell. I'm saved from my sin. I'm saved from God's punishment. And I'm saved to a new life. If there's never been a day in your life where you've been saved, you need to be saved today. It's the most important thing in the entire world. The moment that you're saved, the Bible says that you are born again. And Jesus says this in John 3. This is how big of a deal it is. No man shall see the kingdom of God unless he is born again. And so if you've never been saved, be saved today. It's not, you don't have to join a class. You don't have to, to show up at eight o'clock on, on Sunday mornings to go through a class. You don't have to be baptized. You don't have to do anything. You have to admit that you've broken God's law, admit that you're a sinner and ask God to save you and really mean it and you're done. Clean slate with God, 100% new beginning, born again, saved for all of eternity. Here's the cool thing that happens the day that you're saved. I got saved when I was a nine-year-old boy. And the moment that I confessed my sin to God and asked him to save me, he did. And the Bible says he gave me the Holy Spirit. Now, God exists in three distinct persons. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. God the Father is in heaven. God the Son, Jesus Christ, came to this earth to die for our sins and to pay in that in full. And then he ascended back to heaven. And the Bible says that Jesus Christ is currently seated at the right hand of the Father in heaven. So God the Father in heaven, God the Son, Jesus Christ in heaven, God the Holy Spirit, not in heaven, inside every single person who's a child of God. And so if you've been saved before, you have the Holy Spirit inside of you. If you're not saved, you don't have the Holy Spirit. And so you need to, first of all, be saved. 
from God's punishment. But once you're saved, you receive the gift of the Holy Spirit inside of you. That's a big deal. Because as we'll see today, as this message unfolds, the Holy Spirit has everything in the world to do with discernment. Now, when we talk about discernment, we talk about the uh, idea that this, the dictionary definition of discernment, the quality of being able to grasp and comprehend what is obscure, to distinguish or to separate. So again, uh, to thou shalt not steal, we don't need any discernment with that. It's very, very clear. Should uh, Christians drink alcohol? The Bible says that Jesus turned water into wine. Hmm, maybe that's a little bit more obscure. Maybe that's not necessarily cut and dried. Uh, the Bible says on one hand that you shouldn't even look at alcohol. On the other hand, the Bible says that Jesus turned water into wine. How do we figure out what's right for Christians to do? Discernment. That's what we're talking about. The Bible says that you shouldn't have premarital sex. But what about my situation? It's a little bit different. Well, that might require some discernment. The Bible doesn't say that two people can't live together in, a, in an unmarried relationship before that they're married. What does the, the Bible say about that? That requires discernment. Well, the Bible doesn't necessarily say that thou shalt not look at pornography. What do we do with that? That doesn't require a whole lot of discernment because the Bible speaks a lot about lust and what you look at and the things you thought that you think. But when we talk about discernment, it's not necessarily being able to determine what's black and white, but the things that you might call in the gray area. Now, when we talk about spiritual discernment, on the other hand, we're talking about really kind of three major areas that I can think of. First of all, moral insight and the application of knowledge. Last week, we took a look at wisdom and how wisdom isn't just knowing a lot of stuff. Wisdom is being able to apply what I do know. Now, if I know that the speed limit on the H1 is 55, but I choose to drive 65, I know what the law is, but I choose to do my own thing. That's not wisdom. That's what the Bible calls foolishness. If I know by being engaged in this type of behavior, it brings dishonor to the Lord, but I choose to do it anyways, then I'm living a foolish life. But when I know that this is the right thing to do, this is what God asked me to do, and I choose to do that, the Bible says that that is choosing wisdom. And so, when we talk about spiritual discernment, it's not just about knowing stuff, it's actually being able to apply it. Hey, I know what the Bible says, and because of that, I live my life this way. I know the Bible says, abstain from all appearance of evil. So that means, even if I'm doing the right thing, I don't want to make it even appear that I might be doing something that's inappropriate or wrong. Because of that, for that reason, I would never be alone with a person of the opposite sex. Just wouldn't. Hey, if I see some lady on the side of the road who's broken down, I'll hang out with her until somebody comes and picks her up. Uh, I'll even stand and maybe change a tire for somebody. I might do that, but I'm not going to put her in the front seat of my car and give her a ride somewhere. I might call my wife to, to come and give me a hand so that we can give this lady a ride somewhere. I would do that, but I'm not going to because I don't want somebody to say, I saw some lady in the front seat of pastor's car and it wasn't his wife and I'm not really sure where they were going. I want to abstain from all appearance of evil. And you go, my goodness, what a prude. Hey, you can call it what you want. I'm wise enough to know that a man shouldn't be alone with another woman that's not his wife. That's just what I know. That's the application of biblical knowledge. The Bible says in, here in verse number nine, this I pray that your love may yet more in knowledge and in judgment. So it's knowing it and applying it. Next, spiritual wisdom is the ability to differentiate between good and evil. 
I want to be able to see this for what it is. I want to be able to differentiate between not only right and wrong, but good versus evil. We live in a society today where discernment is kind of a lost art, if you will. We as Christians should see everything that's taking place through a different lens than everybody else does. You take a look at the unrest that exists in our country today. People look at it and they say, oh, this is just politics. Oh, this is just conservatives versus liberals. This is just Democrats versus Republicans. This is just a terrible president against the rest of the world. This is because of, of this type of leadership or that type of leadership and things like that. But we as Christians can look at this and go, whoa, 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 whoa. That's not the real issue. The real issue isn't politics. The real issue is good versus evil. The real issue isn't whether you like a current president or not or what you think about him or what type of a person he is or his politics or anything like that. The real issue is good versus evil. And look, when we began to pit Americans against other Americans and where we hate each other in our own country and we have people who hate our own country, the problem isn't politics. The problem is our wicked, wicked, prideful heart. And here's what I know. God and his word bring unity. The Bible says that the devil has come to steal, kill, and destroy. And you take a look at any current news cycle and look for killing, stealing, and destroying, you'll find it all over, all over. And we as Christians can look at this and go, wait, 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 this is not a political thing. This is a, a satanic attack on our country. And you say, oh my goodness, pastor, are you serious, satanic attack on our country? I'm talking about being spiritually discerning. And if you don't believe that the devil hates our country and hates Christians, you just misunderstood what's going on. And I'm gonna pray for you that you'll get some spiritual discernment. It's interesting to see our country isn't on a downward slide in the last four years. Although that's what a lot of people would like to say. Oh, this country has just gone downhill in the last four years. Oh, I think we could trace it back in probably the last 50 to 60 years that our country has continued on a downhill slide. You take in the 60s, which was before my time, but I've read a lot about it, the free sex revolution that people can now have sex with whoever they want to, however they want to, whenever they want to. And this was a new liberation of women and a new liberation of sexual freedom that took place in the 60s. How did that work out for us? It worked out into a society of the over-sexualization of everything. You can't sell hamburgers today without sexualizing it in some way. It's sick. We've led to the objectification of women, where women are now not people, they're products. Women are not a body, soul, and spirit created in the image of God to be held up as a weaker vessel and protected. They're a compilation of body parts that will either suit our needs or not suit our needs. And look, we cannot live in a nation that wants to have equality for women while at the same time praising pornography. They don't go together, they're exclusive. Pick a side. We can't live in a country that says black lives matter when we continue to, can you continue to murder black babies by the thousands. They're mutually exclusive, they don't go together. And look, anybody who would do five minutes of research on Planned Parenthood would understand that the creator and founder of Planned Parenthood, Margaret Sanger, was a racist 
who made it her life's mission to put Planned Parenthood uh, offices in low-income minority neighborhoods to use eugenics to wipe out minorities. Five minutes of research, that's all it takes. So we can still kill babies even though black lives matter. I don't buy it. You can't have both of them together. It just doesn't work that way. We gotta be honest. And we gotta look at this and say, hey, I'm gonna look at this through the lens of the Bible. And, I, and the Bible says life begins at conception and it, all lives matter, even unborn babies. And so we're not gonna say, oh, me too. Oh, no, no sexual harassment for women while we continue to propagate and create media that sexualizes women and sexualizes and fetishizes violence against women. It's sick, sick. And I see this for what it is. And I hope you do too. This is not just, oh, we're just different these days. No, this has been going on a long time. This is satanic. This is spiritual. Every girl that thinks that she needs to do what she sees on the internet, other girls do because it's going to get attention. That's a lie from the devil. You've been set up. You've been sold a bill of goods that will leave you empty and disappointed. Guys that chase after pornography, you will leave empty and disappointed. You've been set up. You've been sold a lie. And I believe that the devil is at the middle of it because the Bible says that the devil comes to steal, kill, and destroy. You go, wow, pastor, that's pretty heavy thought. I'm talking about being spiritually discerning. I'm not talking about just believing something because I saw it on CNN. I'm not talking about believing something because I, somebody sent me a YouTube video or somebody posted this on Facebook. I'm talking about allowing God's word to inform everything. I challenge you with this. Take everything that you see on mass media and social media for the next seven days and run it through the filter of scripture and see how many times it adds up and equals out on the other side. See, you'll realize that mass media and social media has shaped a lie that Americans have swallowed lock, stock, and barrel. And I'm asking you, simply, I'm gonna let God's word give me the discernment and wisdom that I need for the future. I'm going to allow God's word to inform my decisions that I make, not what other people think, not what's currently popular, or not what seems to be politically correct in today's society. I'm gonna allow God's word to inform that. And you and I need the ability to differentiate between good and evil, because let me tell you, there's tons of evil out there. And understand this, it's all spiritually related. God wants to give you an abundant life, but the devil wants to steal, kill, and destroy. And those are at odds. And many Christians, unfortunately, don't have the discernment to see things for what they are. Let me just tell you, premarital sex steals the joy of your future marriage, and it steals the joy of being right with God every single time, 100% of the time. Well, that's a really old-fashioned view. It's not an old-fashioned view, it's a biblical view. Done. This is not adopting a 1950s mindset. This is not adopting, you know, the way things used to be. No, it's about adopting a biblical mindset. I want to follow God's word. And discernment helps me to do that. It helps me to tune out what the world says is popular and allows me to focus on what God's word said is popular. Spiritual discernment is the ability to wisely navigate spiritual matters. To be able to understand spiritual things. There's been times where in our family that difficulties and trials just continue to pile up and it begins to feel personal. And I'll say things to my wife like, I believe the devil is attacking our family. 
And I know people that every time they get a flat tire, they say the devil's attacking their family. Look, tires fail, okay? It's not a satanic attack. Just got a flat tire. Everybody gets flat tires. I'm talking about when things are personal, things are hurtful, things begin to pile up, spiritual things are taking place against your family. And I'm telling you this, that's real. It really is. But how do you know if it's a satanic attack or you're just having a bad day? Spiritual discernment will tell you that. If you ever made a decision to walk with Jesus and really begin to, to live the Christian life and you're gonna jump in with both feet and you're gonna read your Bible and pray and be in church every time the doors are open and do the right thing and, and forsake sin and confess it and repent and make things right with God and then the second you do, boom, just like a Mack truck, something comes out of nowhere. Spiritually discerning Christians would say, that's the devil trying to get me off track. Not just, I guess I'm not cut out for this whole Christian life thing. No, no, no. Spiritual discernment says, whoa, 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 whoa. Devil's coming out for me because I'm doing the right thing. And just know this, you'll never face opposition when you're going with the flow. But the second you turn around and decide to swim upstream, you're gonna face opposition like you've never had in your life. Doesn't mean that you're going the wrong way, it means that you're probably going the right way. Did you know this? The devil doesn't have to mess with the Christian who's already doing what, what the devil wants him to do. But the second you decide to start walking with Jesus, you're gonna face spiritual opposition. And being able to navigate those waters requires you to have discernment. And let me just tell you this, if you decide to be a Christian in today's society, people are gonna make fun of you, people are gonna mock you, people are gonna say you're a prude, whatever. Here's what the Bible says in the, in the book of uh, 1 Corinthians chapter number two. But the natural man, the unsaved man, receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God for their foolishness unto him. People think that are not saved that this Bible, God's word, that we build our life upon, you're crazy for doing that. This is just a made-up book of a bunch of stories of a bunch of guys who wrote stuff to control you because you're weak. Okay, this is life to me, bro. This is everything to me. I built my life on this book. If that makes me weak in your eyes, I'll take it. If that makes me a prude in your eyes, I'll take it. You want to call me names because that's the decision I made? That's fine, I'll take it. It's funny, in today's society, we want to be welcoming and affirming of everyone's way that they live their life, except for Christians. They're free game to be mocked and made fun of and, and called names. We can take their rights away as Christians, just don't infringe on anybody else's rights. It seems like diversity and equality is not really a two-way street in today's society. But hey, if I have to endure mocking and, and people poking fun at me, just know this, they did the same thing to Jesus. It's okay. I'm willing to, un, to stand for what I believe based on the word of God. I'm willing to follow along with what the Bible says because I'm a Bible-believing Christian. Charles Spurgeon had an outstanding quote regarding discernment. He says, discernment's not a matter of simply telling the difference between right and wrong. Rather, it's telling the difference between right and almost right. It's the idea of being able to figure out what sometimes people refer to as those gray areas in the Bible where we're not really sure what the best thing to do is here. That's discernment. Again, nobody needs discernment for thou shalt not steal. Hello, it's black and white. Don't do it. The Bible says. We need discernment in the areas that we might consider gray areas. And anybody who says the Bible doesn't speak to everything just hasn't read the Bible. The Bible speaks to everything. Now, there might not be a thou shalt not verse against it, but there's principles all throughout the Bible. Now, when we talk about discernment, 
First of all, we need to have a love with discernment. Verse number nine. This I pray that your love may abound yet more and more in all knowledge and all judgment. Look, I get fired up when I talk about what our society has done to Christians and how our, our American society has left God behind and we're now seeing the fruit of that. It gets me fired up, but just know this, I'm not mad at anybody. I'm not hateful towards anybody. And if anybody opposes what the Bible says, I love them to death. I wanna hear where they're coming from. I wanna understand it. I feel passionately about what I believe. I feel passionate about the Bible. And you as a Christian should feel passionate about the Bible, but that doesn't equate into being ugly, calling names, making fun of, mocking. No, 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 no. We're to be loving with our discernments. When I see something that's not right, I say, ah, I can't be a part of that. Because I'm a Christian, I can't be involved in that, and I hope that you can respect my viewpoint. I don't have to say, oh, I'd never be like you, a bunch of heathen sinners. You know, I'd never be like no, that's not, what, that's not discernment. That's just being ugly. <laughs> it's funny sometimes people go, well, I went and told everybody in the office that they're going to hell and they're a bunch of sinners. I can't believe they get drunk on the weekends and a bunch of reprobates and their wives are a bunch of Jezebels and everybody just hates me because I'm a Christian. No, nobody hates you because you're a Christian. They hate you because you're a jerk. <laughs> There's a difference. Like, I'm a Christian and I don't like you, you know? It's just, I don't hate you because I can't hate anybody, but I'm not commanded to like you. No, being a Christian means being loving. I can stand for what I believe in and I don't have to agree with everybody. That's okay. Isn't part of being an American I can say what I, what I believe and stand for what I believe in and I shouldn't face any backlash for that? I thought that was kind of the whole part of the First Amendment kind of thing. But I don't have to be ugly about it. I don't have to be mean about it. I don't have to criticize or demean people or put them down because they believe differently than I do. I'm brokenhearted at the state of our nation. When Jesus looked at people who were not followers of his, he was moved with compassion for them. For every guy that's steeped in pornography, I'm brokenhearted for him. For every girl that posts inappropriate photos on Instagram because she wants to get more likes or because she wants attention, I'm brokenhearted for them. For every guy who thinks that that next promotion that he gets, that next pay raise that he gets is gonna bring the fulfillment that he was been searching for his whole life, I'm brokenhearted for him because I know you're not gonna find what you're looking for. And so I'm not mad at you. I'm not against you. I'm not, I don't wish poor things to happen to you. I'm brokenhearted for you because I'm passionate about the one thing in your life that will fix all of your problems. And his name's Jesus. And so I want my love to have discernment. Secondly, our decisions must reflect discernment. Take a look at verse number 10. Here's what he says, that you may approve things that are excellent, that you may be sincere and without offense till the day of Christ. Think of it this way. Every decision that you make, imagine it was written down on a sheet of paper with you and a clipboard. And there's two columns, approve, disapprove. You gotta make a decision. Here's what Paul says. Here's what God tells us. I want you to approve the things that are excellent. Not approve the things that are okay. Not approve the things that are average. I want you to choose the things that are excellent. It's been said before that the enemy of your best is good enough. That applies to the Christian life as well. Well, it's not that bad. I mean, it's not like, you know, I was doing X, you know. 
I mean, me and my, my girlfriend, I mean, we were, we were sexual, but we didn't, like, go all the way as if that, you know, oh, well, that's okay then. That's fine. No, not good enough. I want you to prove the things that are excellent, he says. And here's what he goes on, that you may do it with all sincerity. Here's what I want. I want you to make these decisions. I want you to be able to make them with a clear conscience that I made the right decision. I made the good call. I did the right thing. I approved that which was excellent. And I did it with a clear conscience. That you may be without offense. The word offense, that means you wouldn't fall into sin. You wouldn't make the wrong decision and sin against God. You wouldn't go against God's plan. You wouldn't go against God's word. That you would do it with discernment. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 says, prove all things, hold fast to that which is good. You need to have discernment when it comes to every single decision you make in your life. When I sit down on the couch and turn on the TV and I go to Netflix, I immediately have to make decisions. And you need to have discernment you need to have discernment. In our house, we have boundaries set up that help us with discernment. If it is rated R, automatically not going to watch it. If it's rated TVMA for mature audiences, automatically don't watch it. It's automatically off. If a group of unsafe people can get together in a room and decide that this has too much nudity, graphic language, and crude, vulgar talk, that some people probably shouldn't watch this, that's probably talking about Christians, not necessarily just kids. So that's just kind of a rule that we go by, automatically not going to do it. And you say, well, that's going to cut out a lot of stuff you can watch. Absolutely. And that makes discernment that much easier, doesn't it? Well, you're probably just going to be able to watch a lot of documentaries. We love watching documentaries. They're a blast. My son Vanderlei was watching some documentaries the other day. He was like, Dad. Have you ever heard of that first 3D game that they made called Doom? <laughs> Doom, hello. There was Doom, then there was Wolfenstein, then there was Quake after that. And he was just like, yeah, I was watching this documentary about the guy who started it. And he's like, it was fascinating. Yeah. You have to watch some TV show with sex and killing and raping. Of Here's the thing. We've gotten so debased in a society that general pornography is not enough to be part of a storyline anymore. We need sexual violence. We need somebody to get raped. We need somebody to get roofied and being taken advantage of. That needs to be part of our plot line because we're so desensitized to just regular run-of-the-mill black and white sex. We've got to create sexual violence as part of a storyline. It's sick. Watch a documentary about video games, for heaven's sakes. Like, really? Well, it cuts out a lot of the stuff I want to watch. Well, maybe you shouldn't be watching that stuff. I had a guy one time. Oh, pastor, I was watching the show. It's a great show. And he's telling me all about it and stuff like that. I go, what was the name of it? I said, maybe I'll check it out. Well, probably not a good show for pastors to watch. <laughs> oh, okay. So there's like, Christians are okay to watch, but pastors can't watch it, right? Well, no. Well, I mean like, you know, if you were a Christian trying to live for the Lord, you probably wouldn't want to watch it. <laughs> so... By your own definition, you are not a Christian who's trying to live for the Lord. Well, I didn't mean that. I just meant, it sounds to me like you shouldn't be watching it either. Yeah, you're probably right, but, it, but it's a really cool show. Mm. Okay, you have no discernment, friend. 
None, zip, zilch. Or here's the thing, you have enough discernment to realize that it's probably not best for a Christian's wife, but you choose to anyways. So that doesn't make you a lack of discernment, that makes you a fool. You know what to do, you just choose not to do it. I need to think about every single song that I listen to because music programs my heart. You go, oh my goodness, Pastor, are you serious? Music programs your heart. I'm dead serious, dead serious. I met my wife at The Gap. The Gap, Cordova Mall, Pensacola, Florida. Workplace romance it was. I was working there part-time, I was in the Navy, and I worked uh, at The Gap part-time. She was the men's merchandising manager, assistant store manager, and she was part of the new hire training process. And so, uh, man, we, we went to my very first orientation meeting, I sit down and she comes out, and I was just like, hello. <laughs> Teach me everything you know about folding khakis, baby. <laughs> And you fold them this way or like this? Man, hello. But here's the thing. At the Gap, this would have been, you know, man, ages ago, late 90s. They would send you a CD every single month that they would put in the CD changer. Uh, and they would send you usually two or three CDs. And after you worked a couple eight-hour shifts, you knew every single song, which song was coming on next, and it drove you bananas until the next month that they sent you three new CDs. But these CDs were a subscription service that Gap Inc. subscribed to because these songs made you feel something when you were in the store. And they paid hundreds of thousands of dollars for rights to this music to be able to play it in all their stores worldwide because it made you feel something. And every store that you walked in was playing the exact same soundtrack every single day because they know that when you walk in, you don't want to hear some sad love song about how your boyfriend left you for some other girl. You don't want to hear that. You want to hear something peppy and upbeat that makes you feel good when you put those khakis on. You're like, yeah, hello. Let's go. You know why? Because music programs your heart. They know that. And if you say, well, music doesn't really affect me that much, you're, you're a fool. You don't even get it. So I gotta be careful with what I listen to because it programs my heart. We had a guy uh, come over, a, a plumber who came last week. He went in the, the bathroom and he put on some music. And like, I went back there and I haven't heard Pour Some Sugar On Me by Def Leppard since I was in like middle school, <laughs> at least, ever. And I hear it like in my bathroom. What in the world? And immediately, immediately in my mind, I went back to riding bus 55, sitting in the next to the back seat because I wasn't old enough to sit in the back seat yet, right? The oldest guy on the bus rode in the back seat. Next to the last seat on the bus, in the back, bus 55, Amy Pitt was my bus driver. Boom, pour some sugar on me, that's all it took. And I was, I was 12 years old again, riding bus 55 every single day. And you're gonna tell me that the music that you listen to doesn't affect your heart? Nope, I'm not buying it. That's why I challenge you to listen to Christian worship music that draws your heart closer to God, not draws your heart closer to the things of this world. I remember when I was, I was probably, I don't know, maybe seven or eight, Tipper Gore, Al's wife, Al Gore's wife, made a massive push to label inappropriate music. And she made the very first ever parental advisory explicit lyric sticker and put that on CDs and tapes. And it was a big, huge deal then. 
And I remember going to Walmart and seeing that and thinking to myself, this is so bad they had to put a sticker on it. Oh, my soul. Like, I know somebody who has that. Wow. You know, it's funny, today, people don't bat an eye at that. If you find music that's in your Pandora playlist or Spotify playlist that's not explicit, you look at yourself and go, how did that get in there, you know? We don't think twice about it. And again, we push, as a country, filthy, disgusting, and the majority of it that I have heard, and again, I'm not putting everything in a category because I realize that all secular music goes the same way, but filthy, disgusting rap music that objectifies women, talks about violence against women, violence against our fellow man, killing people, and all that other stuff. And look, wait, wait, wait. How do we praise a rapper who talks about murdering people in the streets, yet at the same time say Black Lives Matter? Don't those seem at odds with each other? How do we talk about Me Too where women should never have to feel sexually harassed, but we're promoting music? that explicitly talks about the harassment of women? How are we saying we don't want women to be objectified as pieces of meat, yet female rappers put out music that talks about how they are a piece of meat? These things seem at odds with each other. You know why? Because I'm spiritually discerning. I'm looking at this for what it is and say, it's all lies from the devil, yo. All of it. So, I want to help you with every decision that you make to be spiritually discerning, what you watch on TV, what music you listen to, the people that you spend time with. Know this, you surround yourself with idiots, you're going to become an idiot. Just know that. Well, I don't do all the stuff that they do, so you're less of an idiot than they are. Congratulations. I'm trying to help you to be wise. So I want to pay attention to the people that I spend time with, the music that I listen to, the movies that I watch, because I want to be discerning. Prove all things, hold fast to that which is good, abstain from all appearance of evil. Our discernment will be evident in our everyday living whether or not you're a discerning Christian, it's very obvious to see that. It's very easy just to watch your life and determine whether or not you're a discerning Christian or not. It'll be evident in the choices you make every single day. But here's the thing. For me as a pastor, this is how I want to help you. All of your discernment or lack of discernment, it all begins with your heart. 100% of it. It all starts right here. Your heart. And the Bible says that there are two ways that your heart is affected. What comes in your eyes and what comes through your ears. So when the Bible tells us in the book of Proverbs, keep your heart, protect your heart with all diligence because out of it are the issues of life. The idea of protecting my heart, you need to have that thing locked down like Fort Knox. Like, uh-uh, that, that's not making it in here. Because here's what the Bible says. Protect your heart with all diligence because out of it are the issues of life. Every terrible decision you make in your life, it all started in your heart. Every hateful word you've ever said, it all always started in your heart. Every ugly thought that you've ever had, it all started in your heart. So protect your heart with all diligence because out of it are the issues of life. It's not overly simplistic to say that all of your problems in life are a problem of your heart. But you see, our heart gets programmed by the things that we see and the things that we hear. I watch a TV show where 
you know, sexual violence against women is part of the plot line. I begin to think that that's normal. That's okay. It, it happens. It's just life. And I become desensitized to it. People look at pornography and they think, oh, this is how a normal sexual relationship works. This is not how a normal sexual relationship works. It's how fake, fabricated, phony garbage cooked up by the devil works. None of that's real. None of it. That's not how it works. So you've got to protect yourself from that. You've got to create boundaries in your life that keeps you from allowing things like that into your heart and protect your heart like Fort Knox because out of it are the issues of life. So if you want discernment, it, it starts with taking care of your heart first and foremost. And I'll just put this out there. You cannot be a wise, mature, discerning Christian when you're allowing garbage in your life, whether the friends you hang out with, the media that you listen to, the activities that you're involved with, the things that you enjoy doing. You can't do those things and still be wise. You can't. Well, that means maybe there's gonna need to be some change in your life. Absolutely. That's what we call sanctification. We talked about that a few weeks ago. Day by day, try to be more like Jesus Christ. But it all starts with our heart. Keep the heart with all diligence for out of it are the issues of life, Proverbs 4.23. Next thing, it doesn't just stop with our heart. It flows into our thoughts, our actions, our words, and our deeds. It's funny. When you meet somebody new and you begin talking to them, if you ever want to get out of a conversation, the quickest way to kill a conversation is to tell people you're a pastor. <laughs> At that point, nobody wants to talk to you anymore, like ever. <laughs> so if you ever get stuck in a conversation, you say, did I, did I mention that I'm a pastor? And they'd be like, hey, awesome, have a good day, see you later. Uh, it's usually the quickest way to kill a conversation. But every now and then, people are so brave to continue the conversation, right? Every now and then, somebody will be talking, they'll, they'll let a cuss word fly, and they go, oh, sorry about that, so I don't know where that came from. Oh, I know where it came from. It came from your heart. The Bible says out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. That whatever come out of your mouth, it, you, you felt it, you thought it already. That's why married couples, I want to help you be very, very careful that the things that you say in the heat of an argument or being upset or being out of shape because understand that those things that come out, even if you don't mean them, they came from your heart. And a desire to hurt your spouse or to make them angry. And so that was in your heart. And you need to check yourself before you wreck yourself. Like, really? Be very, very careful with the words that you use. Because some foolish person said once upon a time, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. Yeah, that's not true. Words hurt. They hurt really bad. Every single person in this room can think of something somebody said to you 10 years ago that still hurts to this day. So be careful with your words. But here's the problem. Your words come from your heart. So if you keep your heart protected, those words won't come out. I was doing something really manly. I was changing the oil on my wife's minivan last year, last summer. Manly thing to do, right? I like to get some grease under my fingernails every now and then, you know, change the oil. How hard can that be, right? And I'd finish it up. I changed out the, the oil filter, changed out the oil, put the put the everything back together, and was was done, done. I had jack stands underneath the, the the van because you never ever let me help you with this. Never jack up a car without jack stands if you're going to put your any part of your body underneath there. Always use jack stands. Always got that out of the way. So uh, I'm I'm jacking it up enough to get it off the jack stand so I can take the jack stands out so that I can let it down. Done. And so as I jack it up just enough to get the jack stands out, I see my jack begin to go sideways like this. And my hand is currently stuck in the van too. And 
the uh, jack stand falls over, the van comes down, my hand is between the van and the jack, and just bam, makes a hand sandwich. You like that? Oh, come on, that was good. Good. Now you're giving me the courtesy laughs. Stop it. That was a good one. It made a hand sandwich. Uh, and so I, I, I pull my hand out. I got a glove on it because I didn't want to get that much grease under my fingernails. So I had a glove on it, and I go, oh, my show, like that. And I look up, and there's the workers over here at Scott Hawaii, the, the slipper place, the warehouse back here. There's like five of them standing around outside, and they look, look over there, like looking at me and everything. And I was like, I'm good. Thanks. And they're like, okay. And they went back to what they were doing. I take my glove off, and man, my, my fingers are just hamburger meat. I had to go get like 25 stitches in my hand, and it was terrible. But I thought to myself, can you imagine those people over there standing outside there? I saw the pastor changing the oil in his van, and when he hit his hand, like the longest string of F words you've ever heard in your life came out of his mouth, right? You know what? I praise God that that wasn't in my heart because it would have came out that day. I didn't think about what I, oh, my soul, is what I said. But can you imagine if I hadn't kept my heart? Here's the thing for me. I have purposely not listened to music with cussing. I purposely tried to not watch movies with cussing. And when I hear curse words, it's like fingers on a chalkboard to me. For so long, that's just not even in me. Like, I would have to, like, think of something to say. I don't, like, I wouldn't even know what to say. But that moment, what was in my heart came out. I'm thankful it didn't embarrass me. <laughs> Funny story, over here on Kona Street, there's a group of guys that uh, work on the road back there, and the, the foreman of the crew, I've talked to him several times, invited him to church and stuff like that. And he was on uh, one of the big pieces of machinery and stuff back there driving it, and he, he clipped something and broke it, and he goes, oh, and he let out an F word. And uh, I turned around and looked up. I was back there. And he looked at me. He made eye contact with me. And he goes, hey, fellas, what's your mouth? The pastor's around. <laughs> Wait a minute. First of all, you're the guy that said it. Second of all, and I said to him this, hey, man, you don't have to apologize to me. You're going to have to talk to somebody else after all this is over. And he's a lot harder to deal with than I am. And he goes, that's true. That's true. Okay. Worry about him then. But I thought to myself, how funny. He was embarrassed to cuss in front of me, but he wasn't embarrassed to cuss in front of God. He wasn't embarrassed to cuss in front of his guys that he worked with. You know why? Because he didn't keep his heart with all diligence. Because out of my heart comes my thoughts, my actions, my deeds, everything. That's why we've got to protect our heart. Next. You want discernment? I want to help you. Discernment comes from the Word of God. You want to be wise? The Bible tells you exactly exactly what to do. Precisely. <laughs> I want to encourage you to read the Bible every single day of your life. Not because you need something to do, because you don't have enough to do, you don't have a busy enough schedule yet, or it's just a good habit to get in. No, the Bible contains wisdom that you need every single day to make it. You want to live a life that's worth living? Become a student of the Word. Do what the Bible says. I guarantee you, you'll be okay. You know, sometimes people say, oh, you know, I wish we had a marriage like you and Angela have. Hey, look, me and Angela have had two decades of trying to do things God's way, and we're not perfect. But anytime we run up into trouble, you know where we run to? We run to the Bible. And we've just been figuring life out according to the Bible. And we try to raise our kids by what the Bible says. And here's the thing. I've tried to teach my kids to be discerning. I want you to think through this. 
I want you to think through these questions. You know, my, my son Vanderlei just started uh, his freshman year of college. He said, hey, Dad, a bunch of us are going get, to get together for a study group. Is it cool if I go? Well, I've got some questions before you go. Who's going to be there? What are you going to be doing? Where's the study group held at? What happens when the study group's over? These are all questions that I have. He's like, oh, I don't really know. It's just a bunch of us getting together. No, but we got questions. And here's the thing. I'm not trying to run his life. I'm not trying to be an overbearing parent who has to have every detail of what's going on. I want you to think through these questions. Are you going to study with a bunch of people that are dumber than you? If so, that's not helpful. Think about that. Are you going to study at some somebody's dorm room where somebody's over here is ripping the bong while you're trying to study? That's not wise. Let's not do that. Are you going over to some girl's dorm room to study? We don't do stuff like that. No, sir, no how. When this is over, is everybody going to go get a couple of beers after it's over and, and play beer pong? I don't know. These are questions I want you to ask yourself, not to give your parents the good answer that you want, because you need to think through these things. I want my son to be discerning because the devil's waiting to completely and totally shred him and tear him apart. I want him to be discerning. I want him to walk in wisdom. That's the same thing that I want for you. But this comes from the Bible. The Bible tells us what to do. Acts 17, 11 speaks about the Berean believers. And it says, these were more noble than those in Thessalonica and that they received the word with readiness of mind, but then they searched the scriptures daily whether those things were so. They love to hear preaching. And I want to encourage you, enjoy hearing preaching. I love to hear preaching. Uh, throughout the week, I have several podcasts that I listen to because I love preaching. I love God's word and I want to hear people talk about God's word and proclaim God's word. I love it. But here's what they did. They didn't just love it. They said, hey, I want to find out where I can get more information about that in the Bible. I want to learn more about that. I want to grow and I want to find out what the Bible has to say. And here's the thing, for you to believe something because your parents told you, because your pastor told you, is a good place to start, but it's a terrible place to stop. You need to believe what you believe and live the way that you live because God's word says 100%. Because if you just follow what the pastor says, the pastor can tell you anything he wants. That's how cults get started. I don't know, the pastor told us we should all move to Guadalajara and set up a camp. Yeah, that's how cults get started. What does the Bible say? Allow God's word to be your guide. But here's the thing. Secondly, discernment comes from the word of God, but discernment also comes from the Holy Spirit. Mark this down. If you're taking notes, you should write this down. The Holy Spirit always works in conjunction with the word of God. Always. When Jesus tells us in John 14, 15, and 16 what the Holy Spirit's gonna do, here's what he says about the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will remind you of the things that I've taught you, and he will guide you into all truth. So look, when I say, oh, I was dozing off on the couch, and the Holy Spirit came and descended on me in my dream like a dove, and I began to speak in some unknown language that I didn't know, and God told me, Anthony, you need to buy 10 acres of land here in Honolulu and, and build me a church. And so I'm here today to tell you that we need to raise $100 million to buy land. I hope that you'd be discerning enough to go, uh-uh, not buying that one. Nope. And you say, well, that's crazy, Pastor. 
sometime you should do some little Google research for yourself and search Oral Roberts. <laughs> Oral Roberts had a dream that he saw a 900-foot Jesus that told him to raise multiple millions of dollars. And he locked himself in a tower until he raised the money. You know what happened? People paid it. You know why? Because they had no discernment. You tell me you've seen a 900-foot Jesus, I'm going to tell you to get lost. Oh, is the Holy Spirit? No, it wasn't because the Holy Spirit always works in conjunction with the Word of God. Always. Always. So what does the Bible say? And the Holy Spirit will work in conjunction with the Bible. So if I don't know what I'm supposed to do, I'm thinking about getting a job at a bar as a bartender. I don't drink alcohol. I'm not going to drink alcohol, but maybe it's a good opportunity for me to be around people and I could have a faithful Christian witness in an area like that. I think I'm going to do that. Hmm, you need some discernment to go with that. Well, I'm going to pray and maybe the Holy Spirit will help me feel like what the right thing is. No, no, no. The Holy Spirit's not going to help you feel something. The Holy Spirit's going to point you back to God's Word. And as you read God's Word, the Word's going to come alive to you. And you're going to read passages of Scripture that say things like, woe unto the man that giveth his neighbor drink. And say, hmm, not a good idea to give other people alcohol. I'll mark that one down. Follow not a multitude to do evil. Hmm, not going to do that one. Romans chapter 1, the Bible says that you not only are doing these sins, but, but woe unto them who are, are enjoy other people's sin. Mm, I'm going to mark that down and come to some discernment to say, probably not the best place for a Christian to be. If I want to have a faithful Christian witness somewhere, it probably shouldn't be in a room full of drunk people. Mm, just a thought. That requires a little bit of discernment. So, the Spirit of God works in conjunction with the Word of God to give me the discernment that I need. And as I search the Scriptures, the Holy Spirit will allow God's Word to come alive to speak truth to me. How many of you have ever heard a message before and, and you just did something because you felt God leading you to do it, but that wasn't the topic of the message? I remember the night that I threw away all of my music that didn't honor the Lord. That was back in the day where I had CDs, <laughs> a lot of CDs. And believe it or not, they had some of Tipper Gore's sticker on them too because I just like that kind of music. It didn't affect me. I'm a Christian, but that doesn't bother me. It did. And I heard a message one night on just holiness. The dude didn't say a word about music, didn't say a word about what you listen to. And I just went home that night, and I, I just threw it all away. Threw it all away. And Angela asked me, she was like, we could like have a yard sale. I was like, before Craigslist, oh, we could have a yard sale and sell all this stuff. And I said, I wouldn't feel right about giving this garbage to somebody else. It's not good for me. It's not good for anybody. She was like, wow, I never thought about that. Yeah. You know what that was? That was the Holy Spirit bringing discernment in my life. I had a man in our church uh, about two months ago. He said, Pastor, I decided to stop drinking alcohol. And he said, and he preached a message about a year ago on alcohol, and he goes, I disagree with what you said. He goes, you had a lot of Bible to back it up. He goes, but I just didn't agree with it where I was at. And he goes, and a few weeks ago, you were talking about walking in wisdom. And he said, just, it hit me like, Maybe there's not a chapter in a verse that says, I can't drink alcohol, but I don't believe it's wise. And he goes, and I've been living foolishly. And he said, I made a decision to stop drinking alcohol. And he goes, your message didn't say a word about alcohol. You just said walking in wisdom. And I realized that's an area of my life where I'm not walking in wisdom. What was that? That was the Holy Spirit getting a hold of his heart and saying, hey, you're not being wise in this area. Was somebody coming to him in a dream? It wasn't some weird, ethereal, mystical experience. It was just the Holy Spirit guiding him back to the Bible that says, walk in wisdom. Discernment comes from a deliberate search for godly wisdom. Discernment doesn't come by accident. It doesn't come because you're not looking for it. 
It comes from looking for, actively looking for wisdom. You don't stumble on wisdom by accident. You don't stumble on discernment accidentally. It requires you to go looking for it. It requires you to spend time in God's word looking for it. And again, when it, it, the Bible says approve those things that are excellent. When I gotta make a decision, I'm gonna ask myself, is this a good decision or a bad decision based on God's word? I can't tell you how many times. And it's not unique to us because uh, I have pastor friends in California that had the exact same talk this past week. Pastor, I think we're moving to Texas. Why? Because it's cheap. We can buy a house there for $300,000. Angela and I were watching some show. She loves to watch those shows where people buy houses and stuff like that. And isn't it funny? People are like, yeah, our base budget that we have is about $2.5 million, but we can go to 2.7. I think, what do these people do for a living? Like, she like crochet stuff and puts it on Etsy. It's like, how are you buying a $2.7 million house, crocheting stuff and putting it on Etsy? This is just not real, right? But it's reality television. It is real. These are real people. No, it's not. It's all fake. But we were watching some, uh, and they go, they were buying a house in Florida, uh, and they said, the top side of our budget is probably 350. We might be able to stretch to 360 if that was the case. And they show them this 3,500 square foot mansion on like an acre of land. And they got a pool in the back that flows into a hot tub. And the guy goes, I know this is on the top end of your budget at 375, but you might be able to make it work. I'm thinking, 375? Like, I can't buy a studio in Honolulu for 375? People buy it. And I begin to think to myself, I tell Angela, I go, outside of, uh, of Hawaii, I think I could probably live in Florida. She goes, yeah, me too, hello. <laughs> and what happened? In a split second, we made a decision, we're moving to Florida. You can buy that for 375? How do you know you can buy that for 375? I saw it on television, <laughs> right? We were watching TV. And man, the Lord said to me, come to Florida. So we made a decision, we're moving to Florida. He said, wait, 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 wait. Is there a church where you're going to? Well, I don't really know where we're going in Florida. We just saw this house in Florida that was really nice and cheap. I'm, I'm sure there's a church nearby, right? Oh, right. So now I'm basing my decision on cost of living, price of a really big, nice house with a hot tub that flows into the swimming pool. It had a massive walk-in closet that my wife was really happy about too, you know? So, I mean... I really feel the Lord leading in that area. Wait, 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 wait. Is that discernment? No, it's not. How about we should pray about where God would have us to be? How about we, instead of praying where we can get the most bang for our buck, we pray where God could use our life to the greatest for his glory. Maybe I should pray about how God can use my life instead of how God can increase my standard of living. I'm thankful for a half dozen or so people in our church that have made Honolulu their home not because it's the best place in the world to live, but because of this church. They said, hey, this is not the cheapest place to live. We will have to downsize. We will have to downgrade. But it's worth it to us for the cause of Christ and for what God's doing through his church. That's spiritual discernment. But you have to go looking for it. It won't come to you. Here's what Solomon said in Proverbs chapter 16, verse number 16. Wisdom is much better to get wisdom than gold. How much better is it to get understanding rather than chosen silver. Here's Solomon, not only the wisest guy to ever live other than Jesus, but also the richest guy to ever live. And here's what he says. Boys, he's writing to his boys. Instead of going after gold, go after wisdom. Instead of going after silver, go after understanding. Now, mind you, this is the guy who had it all. 
Read the book of Ecclesiastes. Solomon said, there ain't no party like a Solomon party. Like, if I want singers, I get singers. I want music, I got music. If we want dancers, I got dancers. If you want a pool, we'll build a pool. But here's what he said. It didn't bring me happiness. It didn't give me what I wanted. He says, you know what, boys? Instead of chasing after money, chase after wisdom. Instead of chasing after silver, chase after understanding. And me as a pastor, you know what I want for you? I want you to be a mature, discerning, wise Christian. Because that will give you what you're looking for. You gotta look for it, though. I wanna encourage you to have a cabinet, if you will, of wise counselors. People that you would call on to make decisions before you make them. You surround yourself with wise people. The Bible says that there's safety in a multitude of counsel. I told you last week, I don't ever make any life-changing decision until I've talked to five men that walk with Jesus that I know and respect their opinion. Never. I'm thankful for men who say, Pastor, we're looking at this job opportunity. What are your thoughts on that? Pastor, I'm thinking about this. What do you think about that? And I always try to give wise, godly advice. I always try to put them back to the Bible. You need people like that in your life. And let me just tell you this. Wisdom and foolishness are both highly contagious. Think about that for a minute. And that's a tweetable quote for you, isn't it? Wisdom and foolishness are both highly contagious. You surround yourself with wise people, you know what you'll be? You'll become wiser, guaranteed. Because you say, hey, I think about doing this. Like, oh, I'd be careful with that. I'm not really sure that that's the wisest thing to do right now. Oh, I'm thinking about doing that. I'm, hmm. I think this would probably be more wise. You surround yourself with wise people, that's where you go. You surround yourself with fools. Yeah, man, that's cool. Follow your heart, bro. Good for you. Man, whatever the heart dreams, the heart can achieve. Whatever you believe, you can achieve. Go for it, bro. No, I don't need people like that in my life. I already don't trust myself and trust my own judgment. I'm not gonna trust the judgment of fools. So be careful with who you surround yourself with. Surround yourself with wise people because you'll become wiser. Now, here's just a few final thoughts and we're done here for today. First of all, a lack of discernment comes from simplicity and ignorance. <laughs> I was talking with some friends yesterday and I told them when Angela and I got married, we were baby Christians and we were not walking with God. Now, we were not walking with God out of rebellion or because we wanted to live a, a, a sinful lifestyle or anything like that. We were living a life of disobedience to God out of sheer ignorance. We just didn't know any better. We knew that we were saved. We knew that we were going to heaven, but that's kind of all that we knew. And so the first time somebody asked me how you walk with God, I had to ask them, what does that mean exactly? Well, how's your Bible reading? How's your prayer? Uh, well, I read the Bible when we come to church. Uh, I pray before every meal. I think I'm good. No, you need to like pray every day. Like every day? Yeah, well, I pray like breakfast. Is that good? No, you're supposed to like pray all day. Like all day pray? Like what is that? Well, the Bible says you're to pray without ceasing. Like always in prayer. Whoa, like even if somebody's not sick? <laughs> Yeah, like all the time. Oh, I didn't know that. I remember the first time I heard a pastor preach a message. He said, you know, some of you need to get right with God. I went to him afterwards and I said, hey, you said get right with God. Does that mean that one could be wrong with God? And he goes, yeah. What? How are you wrong with God? 
Well, you're living in opposition to his word and you're living a life of disobedience and sometimes even rebellion. Could, could you say that slower? I'm going to write that down. I didn't know. Like, that's how green I was. Green, green. But later in life, there came times where I knew what to do. I just wanted to do it my own way. Oh, it's not simplicity or ignorance now. Now it's rebellion. Now it's foolish living. But sometimes a lack of discernment just comes from simplicity and ignorance. You just don't know any better. And for those people that are simple, get wisdom. Become wise. Sometimes lack of discernment comes from a lack of intentional search for wisdom. You don't want to know the answer. There's a a guy who's attending our church that was um, probably not saved, definitely not walking with Jesus. And another single lady in our church she got involved in a relationship with him that I found out about after they broke up. <laughs> and I said, hey girl, if you had told me you were interested in this guy, I could have told you he's bad news and you got no business dating him. And you know what she said to me? No lie. Yeah, I knew you'd tell me that. That's why I didn't ask you. Wait, What? I knew you'd say he was bad news and that I shouldn't date him. That's why I didn't ask you. Oh, so what did you find out? I found out that he was bad news and I shouldn't have dated him. I could have saved you the trouble. But you know what she said? I didn't want wisdom. I didn't want you to tell me what I was doing was foolish. I wanted to figure it out for myself, and she did. You know what she got herself? A lot of disappointment, a lot of regret, a lot of guilt, a lot of shame, and a lot of heartache. I could have saved you from all that if you just sought wisdom. But many times we don't want wisdom because it goes against what we want. And if you want to have a lack of discernment because you don't want wisdom, you're just living a foolish life now. You're just setting yourself up for failure. And again, you only need to read the book of Proverbs to find out how the foolish life ends. Not well. Walking wisdom is not determined by age. We sometimes equate older and wiser. Well, that, that guy's up in years. He must be really wise. That doesn't always mean the case. You've also heard sometimes people are, a certain person is wise beyond their years. It's because wisdom and age aren't necessarily the same. Wisdom and experience, experience doesn't always bring wisdom. My grandfather on my mom's side was married seven times. Seven. Well, but he's got a lot of wisdom about marriage, doesn't he? No! Well, he's an older guy. He's been through it several times. He must know a lot that there is. I'd like to glean some wisdom from him. No! Study his life as a case study of what not to do. So just because somebody's older doesn't mean that they're wiser. Wisdom isn't always, walking wisdom always isn't determined by how long you've been saved either. I know people who've been saved for 40 years that are living foolishly, selfishly, carnally, and I know some people that have been saved for less than five years that are ridiculously wise. And so sometimes people say, well, of course I'm not wise. I haven't really been saved that long. I haven't been around this that much. Or I didn't grow up in church my whole life. And so, of course, I'm not wise. It doesn't have anything to do with those things. Here's what wisdom has to do with. Walking in wisdom is determined by immersion in the word and careful obedience to the word. That's where you get wisdom. You take a guy that's been saved for three years, but he has completely immersed himself in God's word every single day, and every decision he makes, he goes back to the Bible first to decide whether or not he should make that decision. That's the guy who I'm gonna say, he's been saved for three years, but he's got a lot of wisdom. 
a lot. But you take somebody who doesn't read the word or reads the word flippantly or disobeys the Bible, that's not wisdom, that's foolishness. Of course they have no discernment. And here's the thing, don't put your stock in the advice, counsel, and wise words of somebody who's walking in foolishness. Be very careful with that. Well, I had a guy one time, she said, Pastor, would you pray with me? My wife and I, we're having some troubles and we're just trying to figure out whether or not we should continue. Continue what, having problems? No, like, you know, like continue. Continue coming, to, I'm, I've lost you, man. Continue what? Continue coming to church here? No, you know, like continue in our marriage. Are you talking about divorce? Well, yeah, bro, we don't need to pray about that. The Bible's clear. Well, I know, I know, I know the Bible's against divorce and stuff like that, but I think the Bible's against me being unhappy for the rest of my life too. Whoa, 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 whoa. I had one guy tell me, well, there's this guy I know at work who's a Christian. He divorced his wife and married another woman. And he's a lot happier now. So, wait, 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 wait. You got advice from some guy at work who says that this is a good idea because you might be happier on the other side? Yeah. You ever thought to yourself that you might be more miserable on the other side? I haven't thought about that. You know why? Because you haven't sought wisdom. And I'm not going to pray with you whether or not you should leave your wife. I'm going to pray with you that you'll dig in deeper. Well, I don't want to be miserable. God doesn't want you to be miserable, man. Choose joy. Choose to do things God's way. You'll find the happiness and joy that you want out of marriage. You know, again, our society tells us that the grass is greener on the other side. Wisdom tells you the grass is greener where you water it. Think about that for a second. So, again, wisdom doesn't come from, you know, I didn't grow up in a, in a Christian home, or I didn't grow up, no, it comes from being in the Word and obeying the Word. Careful obedience, not flippant obedience. Next, here's the thing I love. I love about wisdom. Wisdom is freely available to anyone who asks. James chapter 1, if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God, who giveth to all men liberally and upbraideth not. I don't have time to unpack that whole verse, but here's what I'm gonna tell you. First of all, if you need wisdom, ask God. Secondly, it says he'll give to all men, anybody that asks, liberally, a lot of it. And third thing, we don't use the word upbraid in our vernacular, but it means to scold. God's not gonna scold you for asking for wisdom. If you were to look at my personal prayer list, first thing, every single day, without fail, myself, first line item for myself that I pray for, wisdom, every time. Every time. You know why? Because I know that I need it. I know that God says he'll give it liberally if I ask. And so I'm gonna not going to be guilty of not asking. I need wisdom. And God, when he hears my prayer every day for wisdom, go, doesn't go, oh my gosh, Anthony, could you get over the wisdom thing? Like really, I gave that to you like last week. Like, no, he doesn't, he doesn't scold you for asking for wisdom. He continues to, oh, you want more wisdom? Yeah, got it, got it. And he continues to give wisdom. All you got to do is ask. But let me be abundantly clear. If you choose to walk in foolishness, rebellion to God's word, you don't spend time in God's word, you grieve the Holy Spirit of God, you surround yourself with fools, and you ask for wisdom, you're not gonna get it. Because you disobeyed everything else God said. It's like, hey, I'm gonna go out and max out all my credit card and, and pray that God will prosper me financially. No, 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 no. They're the opposite. I'm not going to pray for wisdom and then neglect God's word. I'm not going to pray for wisdom and then make a company with fools. I'm not going to ask for wisdom and ignore, shut out, quench the Holy Spirit of God. No, 
It doesn't work that way. But if you're willing to, to walk in wisdom, God's willing to continue to give it to you. Final thing, discernment comes, becomes sharper with practice. <laughs> One time, when I was in fifth grade, I went over to a friend's house and he had gotten a bow and arrow for his birthday. Compound bows, first time I've ever seen one of those. And we shot bow and arrow in his backyard. He had a bale of hay and targets and stuff like that. I shot it one time in fifth grade. A couple of times I've gone to the fair and Knott's Berry Farm and stuff like that and used the crossbow to shoot the target and stuff like that. And we all know that those are rigged. Uh, but uh, I've done that before. Now, can you imagine how sharp my accuracy would be if we went out to shoot bow and arrows this afternoon? Probably about as good as anybody else in this room that's never shot one before. You know why? Because I never practiced. I did it one time and I never used it again. But can you imagine if I picked up a bow and arrow for about 30 minutes every single day and shot targets every single day since I was in fifth grade? Can you imagine how sharp my accuracy would be? You know why? Because practice makes perfection. So you want to stay in God's word? You'll get discernment. You want to filter everything as it comes through God's word? You'll find discernment. Practice it. Use it. You'll find what you're searching for. But let me help you with this this morning. Final thought, and I promise you we're done. If you're here today and there's never been a time in your life where you've been saved or born again, please understand you don't have inside of you what you need to discern right from wrong, good from evil, or otherwise. That's the Holy Spirit, and you don't have it. And you need to be saved today. It's not joining a class. It's not becoming a Baptist. It's not joining our church. We're not going to call you up in front of everybody. Nobody's going to surround you or put hands on you, pray for you. I just want you to know for sure that you, when you die, the heavens are home. And if you're not sure of that, at the end of the service, I can have a lady sit down with a lady. It will take five to 10 minutes of your time and explain for me from the Bible how you can know for sure that you're saved. Have a guy sit down with another guy and show you from the Bible how you can know for sure heaven's your home. Again, it's not about joining a church. It's not about becoming a Baptist. It's about having a relationship with God. That is the most important thing in the world. If you never come back to our church ever again, I'm okay with that as long as you know for sure that heaven's your home. Because you don't have what it takes to even begin to discern if you don't have the Holy Spirit. So if you're not saved, be saved today. But if you're a child of God, inside of you, you have the Spirit of God. And... Every day as you make decisions, he's saying, hey, remember what the Bible says? Hey, remember what the Bible says? Or maybe, hey, you're not really sure what the Bible says. I think you should investigate this further. That's what the Holy Spirit's saying to you. When you begin to tiptoe into sin, the Holy Spirit's going, ah, put the brakes on. Oh, don't do that. Ah, this is not good. Oh, this is a path for destruction. You need to listen to that, obey it, have discernment. And over time, you're gonna become that godly friend. People say, hey, bro, I'm going through this. I want to run it past you and see what you think about it. Hey, we're thinking about doing this, and I'm not really sure what God would have us to do. I want to run this past you right quick and get your thoughts on it because I know that you're such a wise person. I want to be that kind of friend. I want you to be that kind of friend. I want you to walk in wisdom. I want you to one day stand before God with joy, not regret. I want one day for you to be able to share your faith with another person and see them come to faith in Jesus Christ because you knew the gospel. I want you to be a wise, mature, discerning Christian. But you need God's word, you need the spirit of God, and you need godly friends around you to help that happen. Let's do that this week. Thanks for joining us for the Hui Kala Baptist Church podcast. 
We'd love to have you as our guest this Sunday morning at 10 a.m. You'll find exciting classes for your keiki, a welcoming church family, and a message from the Bible that's sure to encourage your heart. Join us this Sunday. You belong here.